I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Want to be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackandpat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. Pokemon, get to the bear! Bashes and wenches, welcome to the Anime Boston 2023 post-show. I am your King Baby Doc Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. And joining me today are my two cohorts. First and foremost, I have my good buddy who's been doing this with me probably since, I want to say, Anime Boston 2017. Hold on, it is on my... Yep, uh, Anime Boston 2017. Right, a late for Derek. Yes, how's it going, you guys? Back again. And to my left right now is somebody... You haven't heard this voice since 2019 on my podcast show, and I don't know why the hell that is. I'm very happy to welcome back 42 Believer Sarah. Thank you so much, Evan. I think we can probably just blame the pandemic for all of that nonsense. No. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Yes. Right? It did a lot to conventions. It, it made conventions and the whole space a lot less certain, so I'm really happy to be back. Absolutely. And, man, I have to say, like... Normally, when we in the past we've talked about anime conventions and anime boss and such, we normally give it like what, like six out of ten. I feel like we've had bunch, nothing but sixes for the last few years. This for me felt like at least an eight for me. Yeah, yeah. I I would say nine. Really? Yes. Okay, so what's your reason behind the nine? Well, as uh, some of you, both of you know, and as we've sh- I've shared with some of the people here uh, at the convention, I'm in the stages of planning an event for a good cause. It's going to be a really great thing, and I got to have some just really amazing interactions with the voice actors and get a lot of really awesome things signed so we can raise money for this good cause. And like that, and then it's just been a long time since I've been to a convention, man, and just the vibes and the energy and seeing you two, seeing my friend Jamie, it was just all so wonderful. That's good. And what about for you, Derek? All right. Um, eight. Um, actually, I'm just just gonna make math easier here to average it out. I'm gonna say eight point five. Yeah. Okay. So that way our average is gonna be eight point five. But um, I really dug the programming this year. Uh, there was a lot of really funny panels and stuff. Um, all the guests were extremely nice. It was great to be able to talk and chat with them. And great music, great vibes. The cosplay was amazing. I had a really great time this year, and great company to spend it with. I, I couldn't agree more. I think those are basically the exact same reason. And this year, too, like, despite the fact that I feel like that this felt like the most crowded Anime Boston has been ever. And I, yes. not, not, not for, like, post-pandemic. This felt like this has been, this was the biggest Anime Boston, the most in attendance, it felt like. Not overwhelming. Not not overwhelming. This this was a year where it felt like 
even with the hustle and bustle, there was a there was a good good sense of like calmness in the air. I think it was a good flow. A good flow, yes. I will say it's in the running for like busiest overall, but definitely a great contender for number one single day attendance with Saturday. Saturday was the mob scene where you could not walk two feet without shuffling into someone. I swear, I mean, I definitely the busiest Saturday I've ever seen from Anime Boston. Likewise. Period. And, but the, but at the same time, even with that busyness, even with that crowdedness, like, it did nothing to like hurt the experience of going to Anime Boston. Right. No, I definitely, again, it's been a long time because the last time I was here, last time I saw you was Expo, which was 2019, but yeah. last time I was at Anime Boston was 2018, so it's been five years. So it's just it's just crazy to see it's still as strong as ever, and just the turnout and the cosplay, and, and just, again, just amazing time, amazing people. Everyone is just super nice. Yes. I can't get over how nice everyone is, is at this convention. From the stage to the guests, to even just the con-goers. I mean, I know people joke... <laughs> I, I know people joke about Boston, you know, being mass whole nation and all of that, but, like, there's a good sense of kindness, politeness yeah. during Anime Boston. And, like, in the past, I would say no, but this year in particular... I feel like there was a big dose of warmth from yeah. everybody. I, I actually, I had a, the other night when my feet were hurting real bad and I took the lift from here to the, the Sheraton because I was like, no, I'm still wearing these shoes and I'm not walking that distance. I asked the lift driver, I'm like, hey, you know, how's it been? He's like, good. I'm going to the convention and everything like that. And he's like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, oh, you picked up other people? He's like, oh yeah, I've been picking up a lot of people. And I'm like, have they all been nice? And he was like, oh yeah, everyone's been really nice. I was like, good. Because if they weren't, I was going to ask you what were wearing so I can shut them down and beat them up. <laughs> well, my favorite, I was walking through the halls at one point and to my left I heard someone say, oh, where's where's the uh, first aid station? You know, where is that? And as I kept walking, someone to my right yelled, third floor, right down to the right. <laughs> like, right. they didn't even know each other. People are just shouting out answers, just trying to be helpful to each other. So, They're yeah. looking out for one another, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I feel like that's the first time I've ever experienced that within a convention. Like, they not, not to dislike another anime convention or New York Anime NYC or Anime Expo, but, like, we really do look out for each other at Anime Boston. Like, Greg here says it best. Like, we have a very small community style when it comes to Anime Boston, despite the fact that it's grown so much over the years. Yeah, it's still a big con, small con feel. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're talking about that, we've been talking about the patrons and such, Let's talk a little bit about the cosplay. And we were talking about this during our walk back over here because we're recording in the place that 42 Believer is staying in. Like, this year, like, because normally when we go to a convention, like, what's going to be the big show? What, what is the majority going to wear? There really wasn't a majority this year. I feel like that everything was spread out nicely and evenly. You had your Boku no Hero people. We had your Demon Slayers. We had your JoJo's. We had your Genshin Impacts. But none of them like seemed to like overpower one another. I agree. I agree. I think that again, there, there's there's equal parts everywhere. You know, you get some of the new shows. I saw quite a few cyberpunk edge runners. I saw Chainsaw Man quite often, but not like not too frequently where everyone was Chainsaw Man. It was just sprinkled. 
And I gotta say, my biggest surprise was seeing Hunter Hunter have a resurgence. All of a sudden, I saw several Hisakas. I even saw an Ikalgo, one of the Chimera ants. Ooh! Yeah. I, I saw some, you know, Kurapikas and Leorios, but Ikalgo, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, first time I've ever seen one, so, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And we also saw that Phantom Troop member. I for, We forget her name. But oh, yes, the one that has Blinky, the vacuum. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and and I, I think, obviously, Keith Silverstein, I think that had a big influence on the fact that there was so much Hunter yes. Hunter, but didn't dominate, like you and, said, Evan. Right. manga being written as well. Right. On the top of that, with Keith Silverstein being here, you also you have your Hunter Hunter fans, you have your JoJo fans, yes. you have so many different anime that he has been a part of, and I feel like that played a big role in diversifying the cosplay this year. Yeah, yeah, and again, there was and there was just again just the attention to detail with the cosplayers and how well they did this year. Like I enjoyed, I took quite a few photos, uh, and there was just really good. Good cosplay. Did you guys see the person who wore a fully crocheted cosplay? I don't. Think it was so. a card captor Sakura cosplay, and and, it, and sh everything that she was wearing, even her wig, it was all crochet. Ooh, and wow. she had a. I know. I was like, you're drinking water, right? <laughs> uh, and she had a 3D printed staff, and she even like crocheted and like crocheted over the prop so everything she was wearing was like a fully crocheted cosplay. I do remember the knit gone sweater. You yes, that yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I think I think that there's there's I think that not only has the pandemic, you know, obviously changed a lot of things, but I think it's made a lot of people watch content at home and like you don't just have to do like a yeah, a fabric like normal fabric cosplay. I see people making paper wigs and I think just a lot of craftiness. Yeah. I feel like I saw a lot of craftiness this year. Exactly. Um one thing I did not see this year, and that normally it's kind of a thing that you always point out, are the people who kind of build, like, mecha suits out of, like, beer boxes. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I didn't see a single person do that. You know, someone who just writes Gundam or something like that yeah. on the front. Right. I didn't see anybody dressed up as a trash can. No, actually, uh, right in front of us at the they, closing the, oh, ceremony. Oh, I thought they were just holding it. They were dressed up as it? or well, they just took it off oh. at the closing ceremony. Because you can't yeah. really sit down in a chair while you're wearing a trash can. That's right, fair. you're not That's Oscar Grouch. <laughs> so one, we got one trash can. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to use it to catch a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, it didn't quite go well. And it was blocking my view. I, I, I'm like, I have to hit, reel that in. I wanted to be. I don't want. I didn't want to be rude. I didn't. But I wanted to. But I didn't want to. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite random cosplay, like a one-off that you just never expected to see. You know what? It has to be because it was so out of left field and was the first time I've ever seen anybody cosplay. Don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. I'm sorry if I am. Angus Young from ACDC. Oh, okay then. Yeah, that was surprising. Angus Young from ACDC. The guy, man, not only did he cosplay as him, he knew how to play on the guitar. He did the fucking leg thing. <laughs> he did so well with that. It was like, you, this is the first time I've ever seen anybody do anything ACDC related. All right, 42 Belieber. Well, I said it on the way over here, so you guys kind of already know. It was definitely the Barbie Swan Lake cosplay. <laughs> and I know that, you know, oh, Barbie Swan Lake, ha, ha, ha. That, to me, and a lot of other millennial women, those movies, I mean, some of them are good, and that was one of the better ones. And there, it was just the images of it just was very iconic and nostalgic. And so seeing her bring that dress to life so perfectly with amazing wig. I mean, she really styled it and looked 
perfect. It's exactly what I imagined I like that would look like in real life if that was a real person, which is what the goal is with cosplay. Mm. So she just hit all of that. And then also honorable mention to all of the amazing Disney cosplays. I would say mine is it's from a series that you usually see at conventions, but I never see this character, especially including the six-foot-tall hat of Doug Dimido. Yes! <laughs> Who was even betting at the auction in Dimidollars the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta love a good throwback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's the guy who um, did the Jordan Von Stranglehold of, like, many years ago, too. Oh, yeah. Wait, was that the same person? Same person. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> That's nice. I yeah. don't think I remember he's, seeing he's that He's diversifying one. his uh, repertoire. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was a great cosplay. And overall, like, I was very impressed. Like, nothing... Nobody did, like, a cosplay that made me go, you know, huh. I, I feel like, like, to that end, like, again, there was not one single show that dominated the cosplay. And I think we just did see a lot of unique and obscure cosplays. I think that that really dominated just cosplays from obscure things. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, while we go into what we experienced as a whole at Anime Boston, the panels and such, and even talk a little bit about the guests, it is, I should point out, like, this, this was, the theme was idols. And from a guest perspective, it is very surprising, first and foremost, that there weren't a lot of... There was actually only one Japanese guest, and it was just... Um, well, I don't want to say just. It was an artist. It was, it was a very well-known artist. But we didn't have any idol groups come, or anybody that was related to idol anime. I did talk to somebody about that, someone on the staff. I won't say her name, just in case. And apparently there were a lot of issues when it came to getting visas, and that played a big role as to why there weren't many Japanese guests this year. Right, it's just out of their control at that point. I mean, they can't force the government to do anything about, you know, that, so They it's made just, it a lot more difficult. In, right. in a sense, they tried to do what they could. I think they doubled the amount of VTubers they had this year, so... <laughs> right, the whole alive people. Yeah. So you need to compensate where you can. <laughs> yeah. Although, that, that makes you wonder, like, do the people that play the whole alive guests... Were they actually here, or were they just streaming from where they normally stream I, from? I believe they were streaming, because I read that at least one of them was Filipino, so they are, some of them are overseas, some of them are domestic, though. But. It would make a lot of sense, because then it would be a lot easier to get a big group of them, exactly, if you just so have them stream in. They don't have to, it doesn't yeah. matter, no visa's a little worried, you know? MasterCards right. only. <laughs> <laughs> Stan, let's talk a little bit about the guests. We, the first person we got to interview, and for those who are listening, those interviews will be coming up very, very soon, was John Swayze. John Swayze, who plays Gendo Ikari in, in Genesis Allegalian, and just the stories that he was telling was just completely entertaining. Yeah. Yes, I think, again, like, the story he told about uh, All for One, that story was so good. I just, I'm not going to spoil it, because I know you're probably going to put it in at some point. Yeah. But that story and the way he told it and just how how he just went down that road, he just kept telling more and more details about it and how he didn't even know, you know, I'm not, nope, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. I do like the story about, like, how he, go, he went to a specific con and... A favorite band of his just so happened to be in town. Yes. You, you'll listen to, you'll, you'll listen, and just absolute hilarity of like, no, you can book me, I'm not gonna be there, <laughs> because my favorite band of all time is also in this city. Right. 
No, he was he was definitely a good guest. Who was the? Did we interview? That was on Friday. I don't think we interviewed anybody else on Friday, did we? No, that was our only interview for okay. Friday. Uh, I will say I love how he always plays like the bad dad figure, but he came off as like the jolly laid back, ah, just you know, lock the door when you come back in at night kind of dad. Right, yeah. and, and then the stories he told about his daughter and how she's getting into voice acting. Yeah. There were some yeah. funny stories there as well. <laughs> just one of those definitely like just listening to him talk. I'm like, yeah, you're such a freaking dad. You're just <laughs> such a dad. It's, it's written all over your face. Of course you get typecast that way all the time. <laughs> And then after that, on Saturday, our first person we interviewed was Christine Cabanos, who plays Squid Girl, uh, Madoka from Twelve Magi Madoka Magica, and she was a delight to chat with. Yeah. And the fact that she started out as a fan, too, of the anime scene. Right, right. I definitely think that was... Yeah, she, she was so cute. That's what just got me about her, is she just had this really cute energy about her, and... Uh, I really liked actually the question um, that the one other lady asked about uh, what your side hustle is, and she was talking about how she has this like apparel company and everything like that. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Like, just that was an interesting question. I, I, I'm going to save that, put that in my back pocket. Yeah. Well, what did you think of her? Uh, honestly, yeah, and I had no idea that she did all of her um, uh, travel streaming. I did not know that she has this whole like actual you know blog that she you know. Yeah, that was another question yep. that, that came from the other person. Yeah. Um, and then, I think our big interview was Dante Bosco. And I had 42 Believer take the lead on that because as I know about Dante Bosco, but I don't know what to ask him. So, Sarah did a great job with this. Thank you, Evan. I mean, again, I knew that he was kind of like their big... I mean, he was the biggest name. You know, he's not necessarily the biggest name in anime, but as far as like an actor goes, like he has been in live action. You know, he has he has a ton of other projects going on. Like he's he's more mainstream of an actor than all the other guests there. He's over thirty years and counting in the industry. Right, 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 right. So you know that short memory working. Uh, we told some good stories about that. So you know it was it was really a treat to ask him about all of that. And again, just knowing he's played such iconic characters over the years. I mean, and and I know it's a nod to my friend Jamie because she's the one who introduced. But I'm a cheerleader to me, but I, I was just so glad I got to ask about that as well. If you haven't seen it, it's an iconic, obscure mo movie, very important to queer history. Uh, yeah, they used to actually they used to show that film in the Gay Straight Alliance at Salem State. It's a great movie. It really is, and it's free on YouTube with ads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> legally, it's a legal movie. Um, but yeah, he was he was a treat, and then that was one of the things is that I got to go up to his autograph panel and uh, autograph session, and he recognized me obviously because. I was dressed up that day, so it was really easy to recognize me. And, you know, he signed something for an event I'm working on and then also recorded a video for it, which is, like, so awesome. So, so glad he was there. Absolutely. And I think that's the last person that we got to interview. There was one other person, no, no naming names, but unfortunately, things didn't work out. Right. I would say this con has gone, it actually went through without a hitch aside from just one or two scheduling conflicts. Yeah. And a random Boba Fett on the subway, but. <laughs> <laughs> but our good friends, um, Aztec and Paranom, did a performance on uh, Saturday night. Yes. I, I think, uh, I, feel, I feel kind of bad for him because it was during Masquerade where everybody goes to that. Yeah. And he only got like maybe a couple hundred people showing up, but at least the energy was there in the crowd for him. Yeah. Uh, and going into more panel stuff for 
Or, well, I was going to say, I actually appreciated the fact they brought in special guests, your uh, J-pop friend. Yes, well. uh, my friend Yu from Shiarty Kubrick, my, um, who went to Japan with me last summer. Um, he is he is very talented. Like, the fact that he can sing Japanese and no problem like that, it, it, it still baffles me. Meanwhile, I'm here still studying for over three and a half years, and I can't make a basic fucking conversation in it. <laughs> yeah. Langu- language learning is not for me. I tried. I, I, I know some Spanish, and that's about it. <laughs> it. It sucks having... With me, it's a language-based learning disability, so it takes, like, three to four times longer for me to really pick up on a language than most other people. Right. But once you do it, it's because you fucking earned it. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> But yeah, let's go back into the panels. So let's see. Panels. On panels, we have the premiere panels, and then we have the let's say the functional panels or the event panels. Yeah. The first thing I think we went to was wasn't that Oshinoko? Yeah, was Oshinoko. That was literally the first thing we went to after opening ceremony. Yes. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I ski, yeah, you guys, how was opening ceremonies? Before we get to Oshinoko, how was opening ceremonies? Was it, it was, was it good? Good, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much run of the mill, what you'd expect. I wouldn't say there was any big. Um, Actually, there was one change. Uh, this year, they featured a new QR program. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely talk about the spotlight thing. You guys did. I didn't do it. Yeah, it's, it's funny because so during spotlight, there's a QR card, QR code that shows up in almost all the panels, and you scan it, you earn points with your little avatar character, and you can unlock certain like items and hairstyles and shit, and like, and you create your own idol. <laughs> I think the funny thing is, like, Derek and I were, like, joking about, like, we're not going to do this. And, like... You guys immediately... It was so funny. Like, literally, you guys went to that panel and said you weren't going to do it. And what did you motherfuckers do all weekend? You did that all weekend. Yeah. It was so funny. I got 10 and Derek got... 13. I kicked some baby duck ass. Yes, you did. You did. (laughs) But I'm happy with the way that mine came out. I I like... I I do like my... Right. Because I'm not the type of guy who likes to make... <laughs> versions of and I made a girly girl pop star. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I try to make my avatars look close to what I represent. Right, Derek kind of went the opposite. He, he, I, he went fan fiction. I tried to actually follow the idol. You got reincarnated <laughs> as an idol. <laughs> yes, which I think is the theme for the main May con. Yeah, right? anime. That time I got I re- reincarnated as an anime and a mascot. Yeah. But also I think it was cool is that that spotlight thing. What it did is you could scan that QR code, but then they had like a little scrolling bar at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. And if you scan in your QR code for that panel, your character would show up at the bottom and like walk along the bottom with everybody else's characters, and they all jump at the same yeah. time. That was cute. Was a nice yeah. little check and be like, oh, there's me, there's me. Yes. Right, right. It brings a little another little personal touch. I mean, it was a small thing. You know, I feel like I missed out now that I didn't do it. So I hope they bring it back next year. And they said they got over 6,000... Yeah, 6,100. 6, um, by closing ceremonies, so... Yeah, that's good. That's a good... I think that shows that it was a success. I don't I don't know the attendance numbers. I, I know for a fact that this was the biggest year, but for 6,000 of them to participate, I think it showed that it was a success. There's not a single panel room that's 6,000 people. So, I mean, you know, that's filling up several panel rooms, for and, sure. And honestly, just a back thought, I was thinking, the fact that everyone's scanning QR codes and actually provided the panelists and the guests to put up their own QR codes. I know for my own personal experience, I was scanning everything and I was getting advertisements for all the places that were coming in. Mm. So it was great for the panelists too. Right, 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 right. 
trap. No. <laughs> and then that, after that was the Oshinoko screening. Yes. Yes. So you can read my thoughts about this, but I will talk a little bit about it as well. But I do want these two guys to actually share their thoughts because I've heard a lot about this show. The fact that it's from the creator of Kaguya-sama Love is War got my attention, as well as it's the artist from Scum's Wish, which is like, like I despise NTR anime. This was like the best written NTR anime ever. And then seeing these two forces combine to make a show like Oshinoko, like, you get the best of both worlds from the writer and the artist, in my honest opinion. Right. Here, you give your thoughts first. Okay, so I'll try to leave out any spoilers. Obviously, there's going to be a review coming as well. Um, I knew absolutely nothing about this going into it. So as it started going, at about 10 to 15 minutes in, I was just shifting uncomfortably in my seat, kind of growing, groaning, putting my head in my hands, going, oh no, at each line coming through. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay through the whole thing, but I am very glad I did. Because all of a sudden the story started developing, it turned hilarious, and then by the end somehow it just kept evolving and turned into one of the saddest scenes I've seen in a while. And, I mean, it was a great thing that they made the first episode the 90-minute premiere, because it kind of acts like... A true prologue. Yeah, a prologue. So, you know, once they start the story proper, I guess, you already know everything and you know all the players that are in place and how they interact and what their you know motivations and whatnot are. And they did a really great job of developing those characters in that 90 minutes. The fact that it's Dogokoba that's doing it, and Dogokoba is more known for doing, like, comedies like Himoto Maru-chan and New Game and, like, Uzumane and Wadaten. The fact that they are the ones responsible for this, I initially went into this thinking, oh, it's going to be kind of like a comedy. It's going to be more comedy. I was immensely impressed by not just the humor aspect, but the drama, the the shocking, the shock value that happens in, in this show. And just, like, it really, it was one of those moments where I felt like Dogokova can do just about anything. And with just this one episode, they showed that they could probably handle any genre. Genre. <laughs> any gender. <laughs> any gender. Any genre that can be handed to them. Right. So personally, and I'll admit, I haven't been watching as much anime as I used to because I've been busy. Mm-hmm. I've been fucking busy. And uh, I've, if I'm going to go watch an anime, like most of the time, I actually just go rewatch something. Because I'm like, yeah, it's good. I know it's good. I just want to have that feel again. Um, you know, something like that. So I haven't been watching as as many anime as I should. And like going to go see this premiere was great. Because I always love seeing anime live in like a theater kind of setting with people. I try to do that. I go to movie theaters all the time to see anime in the movie theater. Um, and just having that experience of of the energy and the vibes of everybody else watching this thing. And then it was also so good on top of that. And really shocked me and, and just had maybe remind reminded me of, yeah, anime tells stories that other mediums don't. It tells types of stories that other media just refuse to and then will go directions that just other media and mediums don't. So it and when remi- they do try, they yeah, can't. They can't. Um, and, you know, and there's exceptions to the rule, but, you know, in general, I like that about anime 
because it just it just tells these stories that you just don't find anywhere else and it reminded me why I love anime and it's because of that because these stories exist um, and it was just it was awesome and it was it was again it was at the beginning I thought it was going to be one type of story like you did there yep. and towards the end it was a completely different story in the best way possible the animation was really good as well. Yeah. I just want to say that, like, there's some of those scenes that were pretty intense. It's, yeah. They were really well animated. And I will say High Dive did a really great job with it, but I have a grudge against them because they took a photo of us as we were watching that in the middle of the most depressing scene as we're all trying to hold back tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I will say there was the one moment where, like, the audience literally gasped. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that, again, having that live experience with all of those fans and that vibe in the room, that's why I go to anime conventions. That's why I love anime. That's why I like to see anime live. And it was definitely a treat. And having that 90, yeah, movie. It was a movie. 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was a prologue movie. And I think we all know the, th the three episode rule with like anime where you maybe like give a new anime three episodes before you decide to continue on or not. Yeah. You basically yeah. do that with the prologue. You had your, your three episode uh, intro to it. So Absolutely. totally worth seeing it. And I, I think it's going to be a big, it's going to be an anime of the year to contend with for sure. I agree. I agree. Definitely. And then the other premiere that we went to was a show that I'm a huge fan of the manga, which is Mashal Magic and Muscle. And I was telling these two, oh, wait till you see this. Wait till you see this. People who have read my manga reviews know how much I love this series to the point where I like to fuck around with my with my reviews with Mashal to the point where I'm like breaking the fourth wall and like making Mash kind of a character in my review too. So with you two being fresh and new to the series, what were your thoughts on this anime adaptation? I loved it. I mean, I'm all I'm a sucker for a good comedy, and I'm a sucker for a good fantasy series. I've been playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, like so. It was just funny, also, because it's like basically you have all these wizards, and then the barbarian comes in <laughs> and like messes all of their shit up. Uh, so that was really unexpected. Again, I haven't seen a lot of anime lately, and I just I just forget that yeah, these stories can exist. That it was just it was fun. It was a really good time, and I like like Oshinoko, and like you, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know anything about Oshinoko. It's fantastic. Yeah, the only thing I told you was imagine Harry Potter meets One Punch Man. Do you think that was on the mark? <laughs> I think yeah, that was on the mark. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I I think Evan can attest to this. It reminded me of the D and D campaign that we played where I tried to pass off a half-orc bard. Yeah. <laughs> and I used a hammer as my bard's spells, and I said it was a percussion instrument, and that's how I was a bard. In the same way, he uses his muscles as magic and calls it magic. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where he literally intimidates the words on the page and yes. straightening out. And, and the fantasy is literally just there for the comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just to see the juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> Him running on water. Right, right. I, I will, and I think that that's, that's the thing. Like, that's why I kind of liked Overlord. Because it yeah. was it was that he was evil. It was an isekai, but he's evil, and that for me was fun because it was this like subversion of it. So like this is this is a subversion. It's a magical world. The magic's like everywhere, but, but actually they're also kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> and he's this guy with no magic, and he can he's but he's been trained to be so strong that it doesn't matter because he can basically pass it off his magic because like, no one's had to be physically strong because magic is so commonplace. Yeah. Well, the thing that makes 
going back to Overlord, what I think is makes that show hilarious is the fact that it takes three seasons for Ainz to realize, wait, I'm the bad guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think, Derek? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I... I love the ridiculousness of it. I love the fact that you can take, what, 500-pound weights and do two reps per second, just keep slamming them on the ground in a blur while everyone else is in the middle of the yard trying to, you know, practice magic spells. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where, like, the woodland creatures are in shock oh, by what yes. he's doing. The, the animal reaction shots had to have been some yeah. of the best parts. So the panel that made me just, like, like when I was reading the manga, for the very first volume, like, a couple of years ago, the panel where he's he has the weight crossed over, and he's, like, doing kicks, and the squirrel just going... Ugh! Oh, yeah. That's, like, the that Russian was... Dance. <laughs> that was the moment where I was, like... I think I'm gonna love this. I, it was the bending of the coins. Yeah. <laughs> the coins. It was the coins. For Sorry, me. I got too excited on the way here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can. By the time you hear this, the first episode is out, but we got to see the second episode too, like a week before it aired. And let me tell you, as someone who has read the manga, they had they did a great job adapting it into animation. Like everything that I imagined Mashal would be as an anime happened on there. I'm curious to hear what what they're going to do with the dub, because when I read, like, <laughs> when I read Mash Burnred, and they did a great job with catching the Japanese version, but hearing the English version, like, in my mind, like, I always imagine him kind of having, like, this, you know, oh, I'm so sorry kind of voice. Because he, he has that face that makes it sound like he would talk in a monotonous way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Saitama, but a little bit lower. But he definitely has a lot of Saitama vibes. Just without realizing that he is that powerful or <laughs> <laughs> right he's just very simplistic no nonsense all right how do i get from a to b uh-huh go through that wall i guess okay right yeah. the door oh, i couldn't open the door just burst it through <laughs> perfect yeah, if you haven't seen the first episode, please do so. Like like I said, I was very impressed with that premiere. So so we got to see those two premieres. Mm -hmm. And then after the after the Oceanoko screening, what did we do on Friday? We did the interviews. Um, we did see... We caught the tail end of one more. Uh, oh, yes! I'd almost forgotten oh, about that Oh, this one. was Ayaka? Ayaka. Yeah, yeah coming out in July of this year, I believe. Yes, yeah, so we got to see this months in advance. Let me check and see what the name of it was, because... I have it in my notes. Please hold. This show was brought to you by Anime Boston. Anime Boston, come out and hang out and get some merch. Yeah, it's Ayaka. A-Y-A-K-A. -A -A. Ayaka. I thought, I thought I remembered that. <laughs> yes. And, I, again, like, so, normally that kind of show wouldn't be on my radar, but I was impressed by that first episode, going into it, like, because we were going there just to sit down for Mashal, and then we got to see another show beforehand, basically from start to finish. And... It looks like it's going to be a good premise. I don't know if it's going to be a show that I'm going to pick up. It's going to depend on what's airing that summer. But for a first episode, okay, you you have me a little curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little mysterious. I mean, I 
I had a, I was like some, I, f- I forget exactly because we get, I, I, I feel like I don't want to prejudge it too much because we did only see the tail end of it. So also take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But there was something in there about like, you know, he's, he's been fostered or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they sent him away for some reason. And then now they asked him to come back. I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you even send him away in the first place? I just felt like there was a plot hole there, but because we didn't see the beginning, I don't know no, if there's I think like... We did, no, I think we yeah. did see the whole Apparently thing. Apparently the father was very powerful, and yeah. so the son inherited a lot of the powers, so they wanted to... And the father's apparently passed away for some reason, so... I but, like, why would you send I think him we away? only missed, like, the first minute of it, because by the time we sat down, we saw the first, like, the title right, screen. So, right, right. So we can't say we saw the tail end of it. We saw, basically... The majority of it. Okay, I feel like I feel like we, we I felt like we only watched like ten minutes of it. No, we no. saw like twenty minutes. Did. Of Maybe it. my sense of time is just warped. Then <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't know. It just felt I don't know. I feel like there's a plot hole there. Maybe it's just it'll be explained, but it just felt like it didn't make sense to me. So I don't know if I'll pick it up. But it was it was the animation was pretty good. Yeah, and I know that, and I recognize some of the voice actors too. Absolutely. The woman was Sayari Hayami, who plays your forger in um, Spy Family. So. And I like her, so maybe that might entice me enough to actually watch it because me being a fan of hers. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm just looking up the uh, the guidebook for Anime Boss, and I found the actual um, the event, and Ayaka was not even scheduled to be shown. Apparently, it was supposed to be three other shows, and for some reason, we were watching Ayaka. Okay. Well, right remember, program. there was something, the way it was named, the file, because you saw it for a yeah. very split second. Don't, don't show this to the, don't show this without asking Todd first. So something maybe it like was a very, like, special surprise premiere that they didn't know they had, you know, permission yeah. to show. They were like, yes. this is going to be maybe last minute permission, so, yeah, that was a little, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put me in there. Okay, cool. Now, back to the other panels, because did we do anything before uh, Tatum? Ooh, that is a good question. I... So we did something after Tatum. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we did anything before one of our regular favorites. Scouting, scouting, scouting. Well, we'll give a shout-out to our friends in Shiari Kubrick for doing a very good show at the Shiari Taylor Public Ballrooms A&B. And they actually, I, you know, I like to people watch whenever my friends are on stage. And I saw a lot of people pulling out their phones and recording. So I think they got a good, they got a good reaction. Good. Oh, yeah. Uh, WTF was the first panel we went to because we spent the day doing interviews and the dealer's room and Artist Alley. Yes, that is true. And, um... You should talk about your experience with Tatum. Oh, okay. So, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but we went to a panel called WTF with J. Michael Tatum. Uh, We don't have any recordings for you of that because they are not and have never and will never be allowed because of the obscenities and the chaos that goes on in there. Uh, Basically, what the premise is, is he brings up members from the crowd. Uh, You get to flip a coin. If you get it right, you get to ask him any question. If you get it wrong... He asks you any question, and nothing is off. The, or yeah, nothing's off the table. So this is my fourth WTF, and I've noticed a trend. Whoever brings him snacks gets on the stage. So the <laughs> second that he asked who wants to come up, I yelled out as loud as I could and held out in my hand, "I have snacks!" <laughs> and he just stares at me and goes, 
Well, fuck, come on, get up here. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, like, okay, here are my snacks for you. I brought you some nuts and a beef stick. And I literally had a bag of mixed nuts and a, like, gas station beef stick that says beef stick right on it. So then I got to do the coin toss. Call it in the air. I call head. He pauses. He goes, did you, did you just say head? And I go, well, I, I could have asked for tail. <laughs> so he looks at it. It's head. So I'm not sure if you guys know some of the roles that J. Michael Tatum voices, but one of them is Ida from My Hero Academia. So my question was, is it because you finish early or because you're bad at hand jobs? I was mimicking Ida's famous hand job that they gave you, Ida, in the first place. <laughs> and we'll just say that devolved into some just back and forth of like, oh, yeah, well, you don't last long. <laughs> But by the end of it, as I was coming off the stage, I actually had the whole crowd chanting for me. So that was my moment of victory. 15 minutes of fame. Yes. And then I actually got on stage with him. And I did my thing, you know. And then I, I had to scream the fuck you. And I lost the coin toss. And this is where I learned when to keep my mouth shut. Because Tatum goes, all right, what was going to be the... I'm curious, what were you going to ask me? And I basically said, well, if there were any characters that you have ever played that you would like to rail, who would it be and how would you fuck them? And he, oh, good question, good question. Here's my question. Out of all the characters that I've played, who would you fuck and why? <laughs> and I'm like... This is when, so like, and then I go, okay, if I was gay, and he goes, you're, you're part of me right now, it's called, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, well, you know, for, for someone who, one of your characters, he, he, he seems like he'd be a nice color and very, he, he seems to be someone who's financially stable. And he said, for a straight guy, you're really thinking about this very strongly. <laughs> financially stable, needs to be a gentle lover. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Kraft Lawrence from Spice and Wolf, which like, yes, that's a good answer. And then he just basically said, I just have an orgy with all of mine. Yes. <laughs> awesome. It's nice that he, he, he made you answer the question, but then he also answered the question. You know, fair is fair. We'll say he's not a monster in that aspect, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, there was a panel you wanted to check out, and we all tagged along, because you are a fan of a certain British game show. Yes, Taskmaster. I uh, started watching it ever since the pandemic hit. They've also been posting stuff on YouTube, free with ads. Um... But yeah, it's actually gained a lot of popularity in the U.S. Uh, they tried to have a season of it in the U.S., but it just never took off because you can't really replicate. Rep I'm sorry, tongue-tied. You can't replicate British humor that well over here. Um, so that being said, we went to the Taskmaster uh, panel on Friday night. Yep, it was the last thing we did Friday night. And I could kind of say the same thing about how certain things didn't translate well, but I'm willing to write it up to the fact that this was their first year trying it. It was very ambitious to do, and they had a lot more turnout than most places have for their first, you know, attempt. Um, 
they got a late night panel slot and a lot of people like to go to those late night panels because they're known for being the more funny raunchy panels true and right. it was an 18 plus one so you know everyone's out and about I think that it was a great trial run and they had a lot of really great ideas. The premise was really nice. Just the execution could have been a little better. I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, we, we don't want to be mean, obviously. Yeah, Everybody, right. Everybody's got to try the panel for the first time. And and they, he had some help. I think he would have benefited from one or two more handlers. Yeah. You know, I feel like maybe the Discord element was a little ambitious for a first-year attempt. Yeah. You know, I think it was like, again, the this is... You know, one of the things that I have appreciated about, like, you know, who cringed last and everything like that is it's very visual. There's, like, you need to have a lot of good visuals, especially with a panel that invites a lot of audience participation. If there isn't something for people to look at in the audience, I mean, the, the Discord kind of helped with that, but I felt like it also distracted from that. Like, you want to you have good visuals yes. up front and center so people are actually paying attention to what's going on. Yes. In theory, it's a great idea. In practice, we got over 200 SpongeBob memes in the course of that panel sent through the Discord. Yes. In a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a little chaotic. Because mm -hmm. that's the thing, because we did that the last time we did Who Cringe Last, we, uh, AFLM and John Starr came up with the idea, let's make a Discord for this. And we actually had everyone behave shockingly yeah. in a Discord. Uh, but I feel like this because back in 2019, Discord wasn't as strong of a thing as it is now. And I think we were able to keep the crowd engaged a little more. Yeah. Where with Taskmaster, I mean, that's just part of what the game is. The crowd is not supposed to help the contestants. So that leaves the crowd just kind of sitting and watching. So you need to kind of figure out a way to incorporate the Discord in order to get some more, you know, engagement. Right. And the visuals, too, as well. Absolutely. But hopefully they will try again sometime soon. So after, yeah, basically I bailed out of Taskmaster and you guys stayed and you said it basically just devolved into more chaos. Yeah. yeah. And the corn is still missing. Oh, gosh, the corn. Do we talk about the corn or should we just let it die? We should let it die. We should let, let it die. die. Let because it die. I, I feel like it's gotten to a point where in the Discord it's like, you've run its course. It's done. He should have nuked the Discord, too. That's another thing. The Discord's still going. He said it was going to end at 3 a.m. It did not. He should have nuked it. The, the one thing I do like is he's leaving it open as a suggestion board for next year. Sure. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And then, on Saturday, I mentioned our good friends performed that night. But the, before we did that, we went and saw Bad Anime Bad. Yes, uh, my second time going, and it did not disappoint. And a shout-out to my good friend Tyler Abstract from Abstract Japan, who was there that Saturday celebrating his birthday. And just seeing him again for a long time, for, since, like, what, since 2019? Because he had been in Japan for a couple of years, working as an assistant language teacher. And this was my first time actually seeing him since he's gotten back, and just catching up with him was so great. And for him to experience bad anime bad too for the very first time, because this was his first anime Boston too, just watching him be in awe over the awfulness that we saw on screen. Yes. Oh, uh, there were a couple fan favorite repeats, which were kind of nice to see peppered in, but. Um, Garza's Wing. Yep, Garza's Wing. Uh, but what was the name of the main featured one? they had. I don't quite remember. All I remember is it that was, it was a, a rip-off of 
everything Leiji Motsumoto, who unfortunately passed away a couple months ago. It was everything he did. It was like a twelve-part Voltron that also would assemble on top of a train that would go through space to different stars that they would land on. And it was like the perfect mashup of horrible editing, horrible voice acting, horrible plot. Protectors of the universe? No, this this was actually like a Korean, Hong Kong, and American I, production. That's that's what I because that yeah, was I, I, I went, went to a bad anime bad a couple years ago at an anime Boston, and he he showed something that was very similar, and I thought it was like the way he said it was like this is protectors of the universe, and it was like yeah, it was like I this crazy it was space to be thing. The follow up to it, because remember he yes. said it was based on something, so you might not be far off, so it might be based on that. Yeah, yeah, it could be in like the sequel. But right. we'll just say the editing and storyboarding was so bad that at a certain point, um, one side was shooting at themselves. It was the same side on both sides shooting at each other. So, it <laughs> and the commentary is also what makes it perfect. Yeah. Nice. And then after that, he showed Frankenstein. Oh. Like, the anime Frankenstein. And it's Frank like... <laughs> oh, my God. Just... Everything you could do wrong with a Frankenstein adaptation, down to its ending, which is like, you have to see this to believe it, just how bad everything is. You feel bad for the for one particular character. Actually, you can attest, as the end was unfolding, I joked and said like, oh, I bet you this is going to happen, and he like, or someone said, sure, like, nudge me. And then that literally happened. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But then it just one-upped itself like three seconds after that. And I just, I'm sorry, my <laughs> mind was blown. I couldn't believe anyone would even imagine a story like that. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, they showed Garza's wing and they showed the, the pilot of the failed Arnold Schwarzenegger cartoon, The Governator. Oh, man. Oh, oh, wow. That just, the govern. that just sounds bad. <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing. When, because I remember when that trailer first hit, and I thought, oh, okay, it looks like it could be fun. 2012 fun. 2023? No. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Were there any panels that you actually checked out that we weren't a part of that day. Uh, no, 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 no. I kind of, I was really like, I, I, I wore uh, my fancy fashion shoes that day, and so my feet were all hurting. So like, I think that there was a point where I peeled off from you guys to come back to to hear the Airbnb, and I just kind of like chilled out and ordered some takeout and like literally just kicked up here and rested my feet. <laughs> For a couple hours, and then I I got ready because I was gonna go. I really wanted to go to the uh, Lolita Hell panel, and I knew that I was gonna have to like I had taken fully taken my wig off like and deconstructed, and I'm like I have to put it all back on because I'm not gonna go to the Lolita Hell panel not wearing Lolita. You know what I mean? Like right. this is this is this is. I'm hoping it's gonna be fun, um, and you guys joined me for that. Yes. So that was the next panel. I think that unless there's a panel in between that. that you no, no, because to. we. We already talked about uh, Aztec and Paranorm. Yep. yep. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. So then we we got to Lolita Howl, and I was I was really it wasn't. Uh, I feel like there could have been more Lolitas there. And honestly, like I know that there are definitely more Lolitas that were there at the convention than were in that room for True. certain. True. But also, as you said, 
you had been walking in those shoes all day. <laughs> and you right, had like else right had. around the corner. So that was eleven o'clock at night. Well, I'm assuming some of those Lilios were staying at the at the at the hotel. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So but anyway, it was I felt like um, the presenter did a good job. Um, I feel like I, I kind of liked how at least she tried to explain some concepts of things before she like went into the jokes. So for some people like you, you maybe at least could have some context for why she was joking about it. Yeah, and I do appreciate you telling me about all that stuff because, like, you know, a lot of stuff does, uh, regarding the Lolita stuff, does go over my head because it's not what I'm into. Right. I'm still going to ask you what an Ita is, for instance. Okay, 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 so an Ita is a Lolita who looks bad. <laughs> All right. Like, oh god, the fucking Ida. You know, she's like, her petticoat is like yellow and like hanging out from her oh, bottom. Oh, it's the her... second half of Lolita. Um, right. Well, no, 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 no. It's not. Oh. That's not where it comes oh. from. It comes from the Japanese word itai, meaning ouch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she hurts to look at. I was, I was actually going to say that you're laughing at him, lol. Oh, <laughs> well, that's pretty. That's so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, Japanese yeah. for uggo. Ba- basically, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. It's like like no, her because the in the concept of Lolita, a lot you probably heard me say. Oh, I like your coordinate, and basically we that's what we use to refer to like the full outfit. You know what I mean? Because you coordinated every piece together to make it look a certain way. You know, like my dress, like I had, you know, bracelets that were of the same color scheme and theme and the necklace and the bee and the lace was all matching colors and like all in sh- same shades of beigeish, brownish, reddish hues because it's floral. You know what I mean? So like um, having, like if you don't coordinate it right and something looks off, you look like an Ida. Because it looks, it's painful to look at because you could have coordinated it so much better. So that's that's what that means. And we got to learn stuff like that the other night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and I feel like I feel like she could have benefited. There's some more videos, maybe like in the community. Maybe she could have put in to yeah, like. There really wasn't any videos. It was just like slideshow sort of things. Right. And and I feel like um, there was a couple of those things where she was like showing some memes off of 4chan, where you could see the whole meme, and she needed to do like more editing where like it was revealed as she read it, so people didn't read the punchline before she got to it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's a really subtle little thing, but I think it would have held her t- helped her tell the joke better. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I, like, I it was like the green text if you've ever been on 4chan, and it's like the little carrot, and it's like, that's how you kind of tell a story on 4chan, isn't using those as, like, bullet points. And if she had revealed those one by one without having the whole screenshot visible, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. Uh, funny. It would have, it would have, the joke would have flowed better. I would say my criticism, even though I know nothing of the culture, I know it was a short amount of time, but I felt like it was kind of weird having the, I guess, the um, the toxic, that's the word I'm looking for, the toxic end of things with the Lolita community, but also the distribution and manufacturing end. I know they can kind of coincide a lot, but it seemed like they were trying to fit two different focuses and cram them all at the same time. And Sure. Sure. Like, that could have turned into two separate, like, different topics. Agreed. Two, you know, different panels based on those. Right, right, right. I think that, I mean, again, I think you could definitely just dedicate a whole panel to the toxic community aspect. Right. And not really worry about, like, you could you could use some of those references, like, like the, the secrets, the behind the bows. Like, you could maybe have a couple of those to reference, like, the overall toxicity in the community, but not make it, like, a whole aspect of it. Yeah. Right. I feel that. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, but, I mean, again, Mr. Yan is pretty cringe, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was, yesterday was the first time I've ever known of his existence, and I'm like, I kind of wish I didn't know of his existence. <laughs> and there really have been, like, multiple modeling contests over time, and, like, not, like, if she wanted to have talked about that, like, there's actually one of the models who was involved did make a video where she, like, talked about her experience and everything like that. And it was like, you could have shown a little bit of that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like, but, yeah. Just it was a little bit Harvey Weinstein. Just, 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 just a touch. Just a touch. And I did buy the pillow for the meme when they put it on sale for 100 yen. Because, I mean, it's 100 yen. Why wouldn't I buy a Mr. Yen body pillow? And you have to bring it to the next anime Boston. We've decided that. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> it is It is. It is done. Well, and, and, and um, short little story related to that, I do have an idea for a Lolita game show panel. Okay. That I think would be really fun. Copyright Boston um, Master Brigade. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just flow out. Maybe, maybe after this, I'll kind of like talk about that. I don't want to get into that now. But um, yeah, I think that there, there's a lot of really great Lolita content at Anime Boston. And if you're somebody who's into that fashion style and all the amazing dresses that come with it, you really can get a lot out of it. Um, the Boston Lolita Society does a lot of good work. So Absolutely. that was the last thing on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And for the most part, on Sunday, we kind of just wandered around a bit. I did catch some of the charity auction, um, although I will say that I left about almost an hour into it because I felt like I had experienced like the big auction part in the beginning, which was the the guaranteed table at Artist Alley, and it went up to fifty six hundred dollars. I like I texted AFLM and John Star about this, and they were like. They're not gonna make that back at Anime Boston. Like that's almost that's like a few cons worth. If of it was a lifetime pass guaranteed table at Anime Boston for Artist Alley, you could probably make your money back, but not for just one year. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. But keep in mind, it all goes to charity to help multiple sclerosis. So, like, I'm shocked it reached that level, but at the same time. It's going to a good cause. Absolutely. Uh, on the other end, the um, uh, membership for life only went for, what, 400 uh, A few. Uh, honestly, like, I really wasn't paying attention too much. <laughs> I was still in shock about the 50. I was when I was texting and uh, AFL and John Starr about the $5,600 for the artist alley table. But I think it reached a few hundred dollars. Yeah, which, honestly, I think that one should have gone a lot higher because, what, a full day passes. Right now, it's about like 120. Yeah, so you're paying for like two, three years at that point, but you're like getting lifetime. Yeah. I, I kind of attribute that to the fact that there was not a lot of turnout at the auction this year. Compared to the past, yeah. Yeah, but I figured out why, because I left earlier than Evan. I went downstairs to the artist alley, and I saw the first floor literally packed with people lining up trying to get into the artist alley the second it opened, probably picking up all their commissions, trying to get anything at a discount, anything they could. Yeah. I've never seen the line that long before. Yes. Wow. Um, before we talk about the closing ceremony aspect of it, because I think that was it for panelized, correct? Oh, we got some autographs too. Didn't we? Y yes, we, we got. We can talk about shopping after panels. Well, that's what I was shopping. That's what I wanted to lead towards into. Okay. Um, I, this was actually the first year I didn't buy anything from Anime Boston, you know, because as someone who went to Japan last year and saw how much things are compared there 
to uh, anime conventions and seeing that they like really like jack the price up four or five times the amount it it's actually is. Up. It is marked up like crazy. I'm like like two hundred percent markup, people. Yeah, easily at least two hundred percent. Yeah, but go and support the dealers room. Yeah, well, <laughs> what do you mean artists out? Oh, artists out. Yeah, go support artists. Yeah, out. yes, yes. But yeah, there was, there was a T-shirt I wanted to buy from artists out. You actually bought some T. We'll, we'll talk yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. But they didn't have it in my size. But I took that as a sign. It was like maybe saving money. Right. Even though I didn't buy anything, I did get something from the Taskmaster panel. And it was actually one of the gentlemen uh, claptraps from Borderlands. That's uh, right. Like, I collect plushies. Great. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to, like, when I got back to my apartment, like, where the fuck am I going to put this? And I, like, managed to, like, squeeze it in with all, like, the ones I have on my window display. So, like, all right, at least I got a plushie and I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, I did go to Artist Alley. I did get a commission, um, and I, I really I really appreciate that. It was for Loop on the Third. Is for my friend. I got uh, I did get the keychain swapped out. I told you guys that she gave me the wrong one. I did go back and swap it out for the correct one. Nice. Um, she's like, I don't know how I mixed them up because he's like my favorite one. I just think I just saw the color green and just like handed it. She's like, thank you for coming back. I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, it's so fun. You didn't know. It's all good. It's all good. Again, everybody's so nice. I just appreciated that. I feel like, um, I feel like everyone's displays in the artist alley are always just like actually just so fun to look at. Like the way that they tile everything up. Um, I got some jewelry. I got lots of dice. Um, you know, we went to the autograph panels uh, or autograph sessions. Um, I got one from Dante Bosco. You got me one from Sarah. How do you pronounce her last name? Natacheni. Um You got one for Sarah from Sarah Natacheni, uh for me, and then I paid you back for that because God, I got to meet. It was Ash. so cool. <laughs> um, uh, Greg Ayers was doing them for free. Yes. Oh, he is such a saint as one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Right, right. Um, and he comes to Anime Boston every year. Yes. Every yeah. year. <laughs> so I, we, I, like to, I like to joke that he is the mayor, the unofficial mayor of Anime Boston. <laughs> we should get him a sash that says that. <laughs> Just like, one of them, like, yeah, that would be so funny. He would love that. Oh, my gosh. Right? He would think that's hilarious. Um, no, he's always, like, I, again, I have been to uh, one of his 18, his, like, raw and uncensored panel before. And then sometimes he'll go to the bar across the street afterwards and, like, chat with the people who went. And I went one time and I literally sat next to him the entire time and we just talked crap about this one con that I will not mention the name of because no names. Uh, but it, we like bonded over how bad it was. <laughs> and and so when I, when I went up to get the signature, he was like, I told him, I was like, hey, remember we bonded? And he was like, oh, yeah. And like, and everyone was just, just it was just such a good good time. And he, um, I told him about the event and the cause that we're doing for it. And he um, signed three autographs and told me to contact him um, to for follow up because he might donate some really cool stuff like a cell, um, which might be really cool. Yeah. So all for charity again, all again, all for good cause. Yes, yes, all for good cause. So I just I definitely appreciate the shopping. Did get those t shirts. Yeah, um, um, yeah, Apocalypse is the name of her of her store here. I actually followed her on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, and very 
I love the art style. I think she's re- very talented. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I think that, that it's just that like nice, clean, just like simplistic designs that just draw you in immediately. Just ha- like just tell a story of a moment in time. Just very, very beautiful. Mm. So I got good. and then then Dante Bosco signed the the book, and that was just. And then did the video. I'm just, I'm just so pleased, you guys. I'm sorry. But there was, so there was one more, wasn't there? Michael Tatum, J. Michael Tatum. And the second one. What was the other one you guys were thinking of? Keith. Keith Silverstein. Oh my God. There's so many good things that happen. I'm like my short-term memory. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Keith, I, Keith. I went to that him today and got my uh, Hisoka plushie signed. You waited also, to sign for him every single day. And finally got to him today. Finally got to him today. Um, and uh, literally was like the fourth person in line because I was queuing up at 9 a.m. this morning outside of uh, our, uh, the autograph. artist alley, the auto- in the autograph session area. And um, he he like it was really. I think that the way again the way that plushie is and the way that the hair is styled, having him sign it on the hair was the best way to get the big, biggest signature possible. Um, but not necessarily to face that. And then uh, J. Michael Tatum, I paid for one of the autographs for myself, basically, and I even joked with him. I'm like, you know, this is for the, you know, 11 years ago when I was 17, and, you know, I was obsessed with Black Butler. I have to go with Sebastian. Uh, and then he's like, he said after I explained the cause, he was like, oh, and we'll donate another one, so just go ahead, pick whichever character. And it was Kyoya from Orin High School Host Club. So that should go over very well. But I do have to thank you for one thing, though. Because ever since watching Hunter Hunter, mm-hmm. once Hisuka got introduced, I had been driving myself crazy trying to figure out where I knew that voice from. I knew it from somewhere. The second I got introduced to Hisuka, I knew I had an instant dislike for him somehow, but I didn't know how. Then one day I was playing Skyrim and walked up to Nazim and he asked me if I ever went to the Cloud District. <laughs> So 42 Believer actually went up to Keith Silverstein, the voice of Nazim from Whiterun, and asked him, do you make it to the Cloud District very often? And just so you guys know, the answer is yes, he lives there, as a matter of fact. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I could not go up and say that, absolutely. And it was so perfect because you were there. You got to yes. be there and actually see it. So the timing just was perfect. So I got one thing to cross off my bucket list there. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of something that you got to cross off your bucket list. Oh, yes. Um, so unfortunately, the first day, my, my mission was to go to the dealer's room. I knew exactly which stall I was looking for because my tradition is every single time I I go to a convention, I get one more Pokemon badge. And this convention was number eight. I get to the booth. I recognize the woman, recognize the booth, and call her over, ask her for the volcano badge. Oh no, I ran out of that last year. Like, oh, well, will you get any more? No, I haven't stocked those in about 10 years. I've been still trying to sell them, get rid of them. So the only place I'd been able to get my volcano badge, or any of my badges, as a matter of fact, was out of the one I needed. So I'd been looking through the dealer's room on Friday, Artist Alley, looking for like a facsimile, you know, someone who had created their own. All day Friday, anytime we were there Saturday, I was always keeping a lookout. And then Sunday, while Evan was at the auction, that's when I, you know, dipped out early, I got to see that huge line at Artist Alley, so I'm like, eh, you know. Forget that, I'm going upstairs to the dealer's room. I'll just walk around up there for a little bit. I was actually looking for more of those QR codes for that little game. And I walk past the stall that I hadn't seen before. And I look down and I see very distinctly in front of me the volcano badge. 
and it cost the exact amount of money that I had in my wallet. So I finally completed all eight of my Kanto badges. And I got so excited, I ran off to show Evan and show 42 Believer, who was still there waiting for Keith, and that's when I got to hear about the, you know, Cloud District. And then finally met up with Evan, then we went back up to the dealer's room. Because I'm curious to see where he found it. And I could not find the stall. <laughs> it had disappeared. It had vanished. I, it, I knew the vicinity of where it was because it was right across from the first place that I looked, and I was surprised it was so close. I went back. It was not there. It was like one of those, you know, event missions or something in a video game where it's like, oh, every second Saturday of the month, this person will show up and offer their wares to you <laughs> and then disappear after a short period of time. Did he, like, come up to be like, here, be child. I have all the things that you desire and look for. So Only when Mars is in the 12th house and the moon is at the three-quarter moon, you know. So maybe it is uh, cursed. I'll, maybe I'll find out. You know, he was just trying to pawn it off on someone and disappeared into, like, the uh, netherworld or something. Well, if you wake up tomorrow and you find yourself trapped in the Pokemon world and being Isekai, then you'll know. Um, it'll, no, I, it'll hope like, I hope I'm cursed. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like it'll be like you'll get transported into the Isekai world, and it'll be like as you're transported and going into the Isekai world, you'll see them popping off yes. and like flying off to different regions. Oh, so during the series, you have to go track them down again because you're going through and becoming the only Pokemon way I can master. Return is to get all eight badges back, but once I yes. do. There's one more challenge. The Elite Four. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Signed, print, copy. That's why they call me Elite Four Derek, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good successes on that part. And, and I will say, I remembered my point that I was going to try to make earlier. Um, Mercari. Several people have even, even confirmed this in conversation. If you want to buy, like, anime merchandise from Japan and not worry about the totally marked up prices you can get an anime convention, go to mercari.jp, type the name, like, go to, I go to Wikipedia and just copy and paste the, the Japanese characters from the Wikipedia page of the anime I'm looking for into Mercari, and it pulls up all of this merchandise being sold secondhand in Japan. The uh, socks on my uh, Hisuka Ida bag right over there, those I bought from Mercari. They cost me about 400 yen. I bet if I went to an anime convention, they'd probably be like $15. Yeah, the Hisakas. The Hisakas. And then like, <laughs> and um, also uh, that big badge right there where he's got his hand out like this, mm -hmm. that one is also um, from Mercari and there's a couple other, like just like two more on there that I think are from Mercari as well. Um, that basically I just bought secondhand to help create my I eat a bag, and I've also bought a Rosa Versailles Lady Oscar figurine from Mercari for thirty dollars, and I saw it at an anime convention, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, so back when I was in Connie last summer, there I actually found a great uh, Harry Suzumiya figurine from Endless Eight, and her like one of her swimsuit ones mm -hmm. for like a thousand yen, like yeah. less than ten dollars. Here in Anime Boston, it was close to 100. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. Supply and demand. <laughs> I, that's why I, I never buy figures. If I'm going to buy something, like the manga, like if you're buying manga or anime, it's usually not marked up that much. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, if you're buying something that's been imported over, it's been marked up. Yeah, absolutely. And then we get to the conclusion. We went to closing ceremonies. Um... So, normally, during closing ceremonies, 
that's when they will announce what the theme for next year is. And we were surprised that they did not reveal it at all. Now, here's the thing. I felt like because they were talking about the game and such that, that everyone's doing the, the QR codes and they started throwing in words and phrases that were like really catching my ear. They were literally they were saying, gotta catch them all and were making some sort of like monster sort of hints or themes. Um, which is why I think that next year might be something along the lines of like, like a Pokemon styled anime Boston next year. I think that's very, very possible. There's, it's like definitely the collectible aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I personally thought, well at first I was talking with 42 Believer outside and the first thing I said was, yeah, I don't think it's going to be sports. They did that too soon. <laughs> but uh, my guess was actually going to be just because of how much Demon Slayers is still so prominent and it seems like it's still getting more and more popular and more seen in, you know, on top of having the new season airing right now, too. Exactly, and you're actually seeing it on, like, I don't want to say actual celebrities, but people you wouldn't expect to, you know, be anime fans, you know, in pop culture. Um, I thought it was going to be some sort of, like, demon, supernatural spirit kind of thing. Yeah, I yeah, think but, uh, that's definitely possible. Um, going along with the idea that it might be tied into the spotlight thing, I think my prediction of street style which we talked about, yeah. could potentially be a thing because it would be very easy to make that like, oh yeah, all these different outfits, all of these different, there's so many, there's so many different Japanese fashion styles. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Lolita fashion is one, but you know, they had a very big kimono presence this year. You know, yes. they had that workshop in the middle of the dealer's room and everything like that. I saw like just a lot of overall alternative fashion, cultural fashion. Like I saw these people in these really beautiful handbox. I think that's how you pronounce it. I could be totally wrong, but it's like a Korean, like formal Korean wear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was really gorgeous. So maybe like the theme could be fashion. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and it, you know, just even something as simple as calling it like street style. Cause you know, it's like Tokyo street style is kind of like generally what it's referred to. You know, it, it could be any number, but I think that that's with the way that they had all of the different accessories and clothes and things you could do. It could be possible. Mm -hmm. Then we tried to ask a staff, staff member what he thought. First, he said that they don't tell them until the summertime, which I find kind of strange because they always announce it at the end of the con. But aside from that, his response was, yeah, it's probably going to be sports. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they have done sports in the last 10 years. And I feel like they, they at the very least, they're probably not going to repeat a theme that they've done within well, the Well, technically, years. technically, the theme when we, they did it last time was field day, which mm. is the event at high school where people will like compete in different sorts of, um, you know, different kinds of physical, like, physical competitions, physical competitions. So sports, <laughs> that's but, my argument. That's my that, argument. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I feel like this one can actually literally lean into more of a sports theme. Well, and that's the thing, and this is my counter to that. Is there an anime that is Field Day? There's no anime that's really to the theme of Field Day. There battle, are... battle, battle athletes. Battle athletes. That's one. 
You know what I mean? And like all of the theming they had that year was all sports theming. Like the the the, the mascots H and B Coon had sports mm-hmm. like stuff on. It was it was a sports thing. They just said field day because they're trying to encompass all sports and not just have the type the, the theme be sports. You know what I mean? Nobody wants that to really like that's just bad branding. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a branding thing. And then after that, so normally we get to watch the AMV contest, but we had to go to like one of the interview panels during that time. And I was very, you know, this this year's winners were really good. I was shocked that, so Best in Show did something that I've never seen any AMV ever do before. And that's instead of doing an anime, it actually did the original manga adaptation, the original manga source yeah. for, for a series that I love, and it is coming back for a second season, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. And the way that that was edited, like, the guys who licensed it in America, Yen Press, should hire this guy to make commercials for their manga because, wow, that was phenomenal. Right. And not using a single bit of animation aside from expertly placed transitions. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was no... Because the, the anime is out, right? Yes, the yes, anime's so. been out since, I want to say, 2020? This was, like, right before the pandemic happened yeah. that Toilet Bound Hanako-kun came out. There's no footage from the anime broadcast. It is all just photoshopped and highly, like, very well-edited uh, panels of the manga, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just some of those subtle animations, like with the hand, you know, crumbling in on itself, where it was like decaying. You know what I mean? Like that's that's really good editing for sure. Ended up winning best drama, best editing, and best in show, all three. Yeah, yeah. And for as someone who's watched the anime too, like um, the guys who do it, Lurche, Lurche are so good at emulating the style of an original manga of, of the manga and actually bringing it to animation. They're the guys who did Assassination Classroom, they did Asobi Asabase, they did Given, and they did Telebone Hanako-kun, which to this date I think is one of the most gorgeous and most unique looking anime to this date. And I'm very excited, hopefully, that they're going to animate the second season of it. But uh, there were a couple others too. Were there any others that they showed that really stood out for you? I really liked the first one, the AMV theaters one. Uh, AMC. AM, yeah. No, well, it was said oh, AMV. The, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one was pretty good. I liked that. I thought that was well edited, mm-hmm. I, and that gave me an idea, which I will talk about later because I, I want to run it past you guys. But I have an idea to to maybe put one in the running. I think it'll mm-hmm. be funny uh, my, for that category at least. Sorry. <laughs> And uh, my favorite definitely had to be the uh, best comedy with a spy family that expertly used the catalog of Mario noises from Nintendo to actually, you know, choreograph a whole scene. And even the crowd was cheering before the AMV even ended just because that's how well they, you know, Mm -hmm. did the castle's fanfare at the end. And I found it also impressive. There was a person, the upbeat one, which was like a day at Amagi Brilliant Park, and they used like footage from 112 different anime series to put all these different characters from different anime having fun at the theme park. Yeah, I and I really do. If, if you haven't seen Amagi Brilliant Park, it is a really fun anime at a theme park, which I think is kind of nice. And it, yeah, the editing on that, and just yeah, the sheer volume. Oh my god. It's literally Editing something for everyone in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 
I think that is it for all things Anime Boston 2023. And thinking back about it, like I said, I think I stand by my 8 out of 10. This was one of the better years. One of the, one of the best years I've had at Anime Boston in a very long time. I stand by my 9. And I will average it out at that eight and a half, and I stand by that as well. <laughs> yes, so guys, thank you once again for joining us for this special Anime Boston 2023 post-show here on Boston Bash Brigade. Uh, for the recent news, reviews, podcast episodes, and videos featuring members of the Boston Bash Brigade, you can find us at www.b3crew.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you're in a band and want to be featured on our No Borders, No Race podcast show, you can write to us at thebastards at bostonbashbrigade.com. You can follow me on Tumblr, J-Pop Anime and Video Games Amino pages, Instagram and Twitter at kingbaby.esh. Like us on facebook.com slash bostonbashbrigade. And don't forget to give some love to our friends at Black Compat and Phil's Recap and Review. Uh, 42 Believer, the floor is yours for your shameless promo. Uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on YouTube, and I'm 42 Believer on all those websites. So if you want to follow me, please follow me. Also, I have a Substack now, and that's also 42 Believer. Again, it's pretty easy. Before type in 42 Believer, it's me. It's me. And Elite for Derek. Yep, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, which I use all the time, I swear. And I will just have to say, it has been an amazing journey, but I have finally gotten my 8th gym badge, and I even got to meet Ash along the way. And now, you know what, you guys? I'm off to the Cloud District. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you once again for listening in to this podcast show. Uh, stay tuned for upcoming interviews with John Swayze, Dante Bosco, and Christine Cabanos. We had such a blast chatting with them. And yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, and keep an eye out for our cosplay roundup photos. And I want to thank 42 Believer and Lee for Derek for taking some great photos. I only took one this year because I was just so focused on everything going on, but these two... I took twice as many as you. Oh, We're going to go 42 Believer for this one. <laughs> I, so, I probably took at least 30 photos. Okay. So there's some options. So we have at least 33. <laughs> yeah, we have at least 33. So please look out for that as well. So, until next time, this is your King Baby Doc Evan Borgo. 42 Believer. Elite 4 Derek. Reminding you that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard. But it sure helps. Cari to